Testament prophet of Daniel, Old Testament prophet Daniel, chapter 6. A familiar story. If you've been to Sunday school at all, you've heard about Daniel the Lion's Boy. One great thing about Mama, boy, did she tell me the stories. Boy, did she read to me. By the time I went to school, I loved reading. I loved stories. I knew, I knew a bunch of history stories. I, nursery rhymes, what are you talking about? When Mama would read me the nursery rhymes, if she was getting sleepy and kind of drifting off trying to get me to go to sleep, and she missed a word, I'd correct her on it, and me three years old couldn't even read. Or she'd read them to me so many times, I memorized them. When I went off to college, I'd say those nursery rhymes to boys in the dorm. they made fun of me about it, and they'd say, hey, Schoolfield, give us a, give us a nursery rhyme. <laughs> But I mean, they, Mama read to me and told me, let me tell you something, don't ever underestimate the power of the Word of God. Amen. Tell those stories at a young age. Amen. Get those into the mind and heart yes. as young as possible. Yeah. And this is a great one. All right, Daniel chapter 6, begin reading in verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime, if you're a man or a woman of God, prayer is a central part of your life. Amen. It is not, you know, once in a while right before you say the meal or eat the meal. It is a central part of your life. You better be plugged in with God. Amen. We sang the song, uh, This Treasure I Have in a Temple of Clay. Who made this temple of clay? God. Amen. While here on his footstool I roam. Whose footstool? gods. Everything that goes on down here ties into God. Here is this great uh, Babylonian empire that Daniel is a part of and a big mover and shaker in and he's praying to God and God is all over that thing. Let me tell you about God. He promotes one demotes another. He's the one in charge. All right, back to Daniel chapter 6, verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Did your family and friends and co-workers and people that know you, do they sometimes find you praying? That ought to be a central part of your life. 
your relationship to God is more important than anything else. When they got talking about Daniel, you know what they said? Well, the only way we're going to find anything on him is something about the way he worships his God, just like they did our Baptist forefathers. <laughs> he wasn't in jail over here, John Weatherford, preaching and them cutting his hands because he had stole. He was in jail for preaching the word of God. Daniel chapter 6, verse 12, Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. The king said, well, sure, okay. Have him pray to me then instead of God. That's fine. He forgot about Daniel. He knew that Daniel was going to be true to his God. But he forgot, and he was displeased with himself for that. Did you know you can have that kind of a testimony with God and man that when they see you're hurt, oh, man, it hurts them. Now, there's a political intrigue going on here, and we'll talk more about that. But there was also somebody that dealt with Daniel every day, and they knew that he was a wonderful man and had an excellent spirit and had God all over him. And it bothered the king. Verse um, 16, then the king commanded, I'm sorry, verse 15, then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. This pagan king had seen so much power in the life of Daniel that he wasn't a bit surprised if God delivered Daniel from a den of lions. That didn't usually happen. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. He was upset he couldn't even pull up Spotify. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. 
The king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. I want to preach this morning on Daniel, on crisis management. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you'll come down and bear witness to the truth of your word, and Lord, we need you. And there are some great truths here, and God, there is no doubt that in our futures, if you tarry your coming, we're going to be facing some crises. God, I pray that your people that love you and your word, and love your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and love your people, I pray, dear Lord, that we have put our trust in you, as Daniel has given us such a good example in this very passage. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, now the old song says, Dare to be a Daniel, steadfastness even in trial. And brethren and sister, there are some trials coming. But steadfastness in trial should be our goal, and with faith in Christ, we can even rejoice in trials. You know why? We know we've got somebody with us. When you've got somebody you love with you going through the trial, it isn't nearly what it is when you're trying to face it alone. I still remember when I studied this passage and noticed these things. A friend of mine that I was going to Bible school with, he and I had been through some heartbreaking times and some difficulties, and we'd fellowshiped a little bit about it and parted ways for a little bit and went back to our places and uh, spent the night talking to the Lord and uh, got back together the next morning and asked how each other were doing, and we told each other, well, I was reading over there in Daniel 6, and the other had been reading in Daniel 6. And we said, we wrote down some notes here of some things. And the other had written down some notes. And our points were almost the same, and we had been in no contact with each other at all. Mm -hmm. He's been a mission. Well, it's Jeff Brigham that we support over there in Japan is who it is. He had been an engineer over there at Boeing and uh, gave that up to go serve the Lord in Japan. And he's been there for years and years and raised kids there, and they're grown. And, uh, that always struck me as strange. But now let me tell you who can tell you about crisis management other than the Lord, and that'd be Daniel. Here was a guy that was sold. His, uh, his country was taken over by the Babylonian Empire, and lo and behold, he moved up in it. Then the Medes and the Persians came and took over, and that's where we are in this story. I think I might have said Babylon earlier, but it's the Medes and Persians by this time, and he had moved up in it. I mean, he knew what it was like to lose your country. He knew what it was like to be under the Babylonians. He knew what it was like to be under the Medes and the Persians. He knew what it was like in the, in the fast company of empires' governments. Man, if you are in a big empire's government, you are in some fast company. You may as well be in organized crime. <laughs> I've, I've read the stories of some of those mafia guys, and, you know, they'd have the... Italian restaurants, you know, that would be the front for a lot of their criminal activity. And as they would close up their restaurant and walk home and start to go into their house, you know, they'd be looking over their shoulder to see if some other organized crime person was going to kill them. I mean, buddy, it's not, a, it's not a good way to live. And let me tell you something, up in government, it's not a good place to live. Dr. Ruckman used to teach us in these contexts, it pays to be down the ranks when the shooting starts. Because they come after the head. They come after the head of the, of the organization. So Daniel knew about it. Daniel knew about it. He said in another place in uh, Daniel that he, 
um, setteth up over governments the basest of men. So you're in some you're in some crooked you're with some crooked people when you get up there. Am I letting out any secrets, or did you know that politicians tend to be kind of crooked? <laughs> we know these things, but Daniel, in spite of all that knowledge, kept his faith right there in God. So I want to look at what Daniel did and can teach us about handling a crisis. Number one, decide beforehand to do right. Right now you're in safety. Right now nobody's after you to kill you. Right now nobody's taking your livelihood. Right now you're at a good place. Decide right now to do right. Young people, before you lose your purity, decide right now to do right. Before you mess around with drugs and alcohol, decide right now to do right. Nancy Reagan used to tell us back when I was a boy, she had, a, she had a, that movement that I've told you about before, just say no. Amen. Great thing, man, just say no. I was teaching the young people in Proverbs, when he gets done with the introductory comments and comes to lesson number one, talking to the young man in Proverbs, you know what he says? If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Amen. You know what that's real close to? Just say no. <laughs> Tell them no. Don't hang out with them. Just say no and move on. I don't mean that you're not a good testimony to them. I don't mean that you're not loving to them. I don't mean that you're not a good friend to them. I don't mean that you don't tell them about Jesus. But when it comes to getting involved in their dirtiness, just say no. Amen. Daniel decided beforehand to do right. It says in chapter 6 and verse 10, as he did aforetime, when he was pre, uh, praying, he did it just as he did before, because you know why? He had already decided beforehand to do right. There is no way to tell you how that will serve you if you'll just go ahead and decide right now you're going to do what's right. If it makes a little more money to cheat a little bit, sorry, I've already decided <coughs> to do right. If it uh, makes me lose my job, Sorry, I've already decided to do right. If it keeps me from certain friendships, sorry, I've already decided to do right. If you'll decide to do right beforehand, when the crisis comes, you'll be able to handle it like Daniel did. He decided to do right. Daniel 1 verse 8, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He had already decided, I'm not going to do that. Uh, of course, you know the other story in Daniel that you hear so much in Sunday school hours about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children that were thrown in the fiery furnace. Daniel 3.16, when the king says, hey, you bow down and worship this God that I've put up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Why were they not careful? I'll tell you why. Because the decision had already been made. I am not the perfect specimen by a long shot. But the trouble that I did stay out of, you know why I stayed out of it? Because I had already decided ahead of time I wasn't even going to debate it when the situation arose. And I didn't. Decide beforehand to do right. Number two, commit the problem to the Lord. Realize there is something spiritual going on. Say, Lord, I need you to help me with this thing. 
What did Daniel do in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10? Said he got down on his knees three times a day and did what? Prayed. Say, Lord, I'm in a crisis. There's a bill coming due and I don't have the money. My health is failing. I can't fix it. There's a temptation here. There's a problem here. There's a misunderstanding. There's a persecution. Pray. Amen. Number one, put that thing on the Lord. Pray. Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Amen. You just make it clear you're on the Lord's side. Now, there will be times, it's rare, it's the exception, but there are times that you will be persecuted for. You know our stories from Baptist history, and you know about the jail time that they spent, and in some cases, even the, the martyrdom that they suffered. But let me tell you about God. He gives you dying grace in those exceptional times. Furthermore, most of the time, it doesn't even come to that, does it? Commit the problem to the Lord, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, 1 Peter 5, 7. Number one, decide beforehand to do right. Number two, commit the problem to the Lord. Is the Lord that real to you? A lot of people, they have the Lord real in a, in a Sunday morning sense. But when it comes to the nitty-gritty, when it comes to the real problem... Now, buddy, they, they rely on everything but God other than that. But boy, when it comes time for a real saint of God to show up, let me tell you what they do. They go straight to the Lord. They pray. So decide beforehand to do right, and number two, commit the problem to the Lord. Number three, occupy yourself with Christ. I don't mean say a quick prayer. That's good. That's a start. But notice what Daniel did. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day. That's different than say a quick prayer. That's different than Lord bless grandma. That was a significant part of his life. You know what the Lord told the servants right before he left to go on a long journey in Jesus' parable? He said, Occupy till I come. You need to stay busy with this. You know what you have? You have a lot to pray about. There are situations with your grandparents. There are situations with your parents. There are situations with your brothers and sisters. There are situations with your friends. There are situations in the job. There are situations with people that are lost and need the Lord Jesus. There are people that are sick. There are missionaries out there. The cause of Christ is going on all over this country and all over this world. There is plenty to pray for you. If you're going to pray like you need to, you're going to have to spend some time on it. You know how important this is? Daniel is high up in this government, highly respected, revered by the king, loved by the king. And yet he thinks prayer is so important that he doesn't just say a quick prayer, although quick prayers are good sometimes. We definitely need some quick prayers. But he actually has some extended time three times a day where he goes all the way home, opens up the windows, kneels on his knees, faces Jerusalem, and spends some time in prayer. Yes, you need some quick five and ten second prayers in some emergencies, but you also need what the old timers called closet prayer. Amen. 
where you spend some time with God and you go over these things with Him. Don't ever get thinking that God isn't really there. Or you don't spend a long time talking to Him and going over these things. If you were calling your close friend or your close family member and talking about these things, you'd, you'd get on the phone 30 and 40 minutes about some of your problems, couldn't you? Don't forget that God is that real, more real, actually. Spend some time with him. Decide beforehand to do right. Commit the problem to the Lord. Occupy yourself with Christ. Those are all good. I like those. This next one I'm not as crazy about. <laughs> Number four. Accept that God permits the problem. For whatever reason, the crisis you're going through, God has let it happen to you. In fact, might have directly sent it to you. He knows what is best for you. When I thought I needed sunshine, the good Lord sent a rain. When I thought I needed healing, I've had my share of pain. I'm looking for that mountaintop, but a valley's all I see. The good Lord always seems to know exactly what I need. He knows exactly what I need to walk the narrow way. He knows how to keep me humble and he knows how to make me pray. He knows when the storm clouds darken the sky, when I get to the valley low, I'll be on my knees calling on him. There's no other place to go. You're going to have to allow the fact that the thing that breaks your heart is something sent by God. The Apostle Paul asked the Lord three times to remove this thorn in the flesh. And you know what God said? My grace is sufficient. Moses, when the Lord told him he couldn't go over in the promised land, the Lord, after a few times, said, Moses, speak to me no more of this matter. And more importantly than either of those, Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there will be a place in your life where the Lord's going to send something that's going to break your heart. And you've decided beforehand to do right, point number one. And you've committed the problem to the Lord, point number two. And you're occupying yourself with Christ, point number three. A lot of times going through trials, we can do those things. But then we need to look up and realize that the Father that loved us so much is the one that actually gave us this trial. Mm -hmm. and he and I have fussed over this point, I assure you. Because <laughs> I know he could have stopped it. But he knew what was best for me. You know what the Lord Jesus did? He committed himself unto the Father. And you and I can commit ourselves to a faithful creator except that God permits the problem. Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, when all this mess got started and the children of Judah were caught in these things, the Bible says, Daniel 1, 2, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Who's that? Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. The Lord's the one that did this. If the Lord's done it, let me tell you something. His will can be accomplished best through something he's done out in the world in the legal field and in insurance terms and things. We have a term called act of God. You know what we're admitting there? 
You'd be surprised how honest people get sometimes. <laughs> we admit this is something that's out of our hands. All you can say is it's an act of God. And the quicker you learn to submit to that and quit fighting against it, the better. Except that God permits the problem. Isaiah 28, This also cometh from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. James 1, 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There are some lessons I could have never learned any other way, but through the heartbreak that the Lord has allowed me to go through. And I've said that several times, and I can honestly say this. The lessons that I have learned through them are so exceedingly valuable that I wouldn't have missed the trial if it meant missing the lesson. And when you go through your next trial, remember people in the Bible, or maybe this preacher telling you, as hard as the trial is and as heartbreaking as it is sometimes, when you get the good from it, you'll look back and say, as valuable as it was to learn this lesson, I got to admit, it was worth the trial. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love will fill your soul and you will see t'was best for him to have his way with thee. Amen. But boy, right at the moment that you're going through it, it's no fun, is it? Except that God permits the problem. Number five, thank God for the crisis and be resigned to his will. I don't like this one either. <laughs> but it says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks. He didn't stop being thankful knowing he was fixing to go into the lion's den. He couldn't stop praying. That, that's obviously not an option. And he didn't hesitate to give thanks. I've often said, and I'll say it often, I'm sure, I think one of the things that has made America last as messed up as we're getting is that we still give thanks to God. We still set a day aside called Thanksgiving Day and everybody with any honesty to them admits what we're mainly doing is giving thanks to God. I know sometimes it's not politically correct and they can't exactly say it out loud, but it's common knowledge. Buddy, if you can give thanks in the middle of a trial, you're starting to get on some lofty ground. You know how you deal with the crisis? You decide beforehand to do right. You commit the problem to the Lord. You occupy yourself with Christ. You accept that God permits the problem. You thank God for the crisis and be resigned to his will. This is found throughout the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 3, when Eli is asking Samuel, what did what the Lord say to you? And Samuel had to tell him, well, he told me that he's going to kill you and the rest of your family. <laughs> Here's how that went down. It says in 1 Samuel 3.18, And Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. You know what that is? 
That's just being resigned to God's will. What he knows is best. Second Samuel chapter 10, when uh, Joab gets in a bad place and there's enemies coming from all sides, he says, be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. When we had to have a talk with mom recently about some of the decisions we're having to make, you know what she said several times? It's whatever the Lord wants. Total peace. No anxiety. No fear. You know what will serve you well as early as possible in life? Just resign yourself to God's will and know it's going to be best. And just understand. Now, at first, that's, that's difficult. At first, you're but there will come a time your faith will increase when you see the Lord bless time after time after time. When you see the things that you thought there was no way this could be good. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And after you've seen that time after time after time, it gets easier to believe for sure. Acts chapter 21. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Stop trying to control things. The Apostle Paul, great a man as he was, maybe the greatest Christian who ever lived, would not be persuaded when the Christians of that day had the Holy Spirit bearing witness four times that he needed to not do what he was all bullheaded about doing. But they didn't try to control it. They said, the Lord's will be done. There will come a time somebody that you love and care about will be doggedly determined to do something that you know will hurt them. And you'll wish you could get in there and control them and stop them. You know what the best thing to do is? Give them your concern. Don't get in their own. Give them your concern more than once. Then take your hands off and say, the will of the Lord be done. There are some things you can't control. The more you try to control something you can't control, the more frustrated you'll become. Don't ask me how I know. Thank God for the crisis and be resigned to his will. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, Paul says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Look at that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Mm -hmm. You know why he won't let you control it? Because when you control it, you can say, I fixed it. <laughs> I had wisdom. I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. This ain't my first rodeo. I got in there and I fixed it. But when it's something that you took your hands off of after trying to reason with the person, you know who gets the glory? God. And let's read the most sacred of all of them, the Lord Jesus himself, Matthew chapter 26.
Matthew 26, 36, at the paragraph mark in the Cambridge edition of the King James Bible, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Do you see how central prayer is in the lives of God's people? Where would we start? Abraham, Moses, David, the prophets, Daniel, Jesus, Paul, John. Prayer, 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 prayer. While I go and pray yonder, verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. When you pray, you need it, but it's not always fun times. You'll take the burdens of your heart there, the things that we're used to talking maybe to our mamas about and our closest friends and people like that. You need to take them to the Lord. Verse 38, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That always struck me so strange. Jesus went and went and went till he ran out of strength and fell on his face. I mean, he was committed all the way to the end. Verse 40, And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Look how long prayer is supposed to last. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, that calls me from a world of care. Verse 41, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. You want to handle a crisis? Accept that God permits it and actually get where you can thank God for it because you've got faith enough in him to think that he's going to bring good from it. Here's another one I don't like. I like those first three. Boy, some of these get tough. Remain calm and don't worry. I can't help but laugh as I say it. I mean, even when I was a silly little teenager hanging out with friends I didn't need to be hanging out with, doing stuff I didn't need to be doing, you know what they'd say? Don't bring Schoolfield. He'll get scared that his mom and dad are going to catch him. <laughs> I was always, a, they called me a worry wart all the time. The last thing I need is sugar or caffeine. I mean, but anything that works me up, man, I do not need it. But as funny as that might sound, here's Daniel fixing to get thrown in a lion's den, and I'm going to say, remain calm and don't worry. You know how I know that Daniel wasn't worried? He went in there and threw open the shutters and opened his windows and didn't care who saw it. Now there's somebody that ain't too worried. Let's be honest. If you and I were going to get thrown in a lion's den, <laughs> even if we had the courage to go pray, I'd keep them shutters closed. <laughs> I would, man. The last thing I'd want to do is make a gesture that would bring any attention to myself. I mean, the law was made just for him. You know they was looking at his window. His windows being open. Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all 
all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Psalm 37, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Fret not. Now you tell me how Daniel can fret not here. Here he is. He's been faithful. He's never done one thing wrong. Everybody in government knows he hasn't done anything wrong. They said we'll never find anything on him. And yet here are these criminals trying to trick a way to get him killed so they can move up in government. Don't you know Daniel would have said, Lord, this is not fair. I'm clearly the one in the right here. Man. Look out, Bible believer Baptist. Mm -hmm. You're right about some things. Thank God for it. You got your Bible sitting on your lap. Thank God for it. That doesn't mean that it's going to be all smooth sailing because you're right. I wish I could get back the time I spent defending myself and explaining myself as to why I was right. You think the devil and his crowd cares whether or not you're right? <laughs> what if you did? What if you convinced them that you were right? <laughs> you think they'd go, oh, well, we'll just have to leave him alone. He's right. <laughs> what a waste of time. They didn't care that Daniel was right. They wanted his position. <laughs> Remain calm and don't worry. There is somebody else in charge of all these things. Amen. You know what he said to Jacob? He said, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. When you get in there and explain it and correct it and control it yourself, you know what you're saying? You're saying, Lord, I don't think you can handle this, so I'm helping you out so they'll see how right I am. <laughs> now, I don't mean that you don't ever point out one thing here or there. That's okay. But don't get all upset about it. You know how you know if you're going too far? If there gets a knot in your stomach while you're trying to explain how right you are. Yeah, I've had them. <laughs> Way too many times. And it showed in my face and in the tension and in the tone of voice. It sure did. Remain calm and don't worry. Here's a good one. Now, this I can do this one better. Don't faint in your mind. Mm. There comes a point where you say... What is the use? I'm not even struggling against this anymore. This country's so far gone, I'm not even trying anymore. I'm done. I'm done. You've heard people say that. I'm done with that. <laughs> Don't be done with the cause of Jesus Christ. Don't be done with trying to live for God. Don't faint in your mind. You know what the king said to him? He said in verse 16, toward the end of the verse, Daniel, thy God whom thou servest, continually. He didn't say the God that you used to serve back four times got hard. <laughs> he said that thou servest continually. Let it be said of you he kept on. Yeah. Look at verse 20. O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually. You know what testimony Daniel had? He served God continually. The king didn't say, hmm, oh boy, I bet this will make him lose his faith. The king had no question in his mind. Amen. Don't faint in your mind. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. You know what it means to faint? It means to quit. When you faint, you know what you're not doing? You're not fighting anymore. <laughs> you just faint. Out you went, man. Remember what Jesus endured? I bet you're not enduring that. I bet you hadn't had to take on the sins of the whole wide world. I bet you'd have fought all day explaining how right you were and that you're not guilty of all that. <laughs> Jesus didn't. He just took them on. Said, all right, I'll take them. And while I'm up here, I'll just pay the price for them. Shed his blood and washed them all away, and he didn't deserve a bit of it. Amen, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't faint in your mind. Isaiah 26, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Don't faint in your mind. All right, I'm, I'm coming to the end. I've just got a couple more. I think I'm on number eight now. Be secure in God's omnipotence. Now, you don't know for sure if the Lord's going to do this, but you know that he can, if necessary, shut the lion's mouths. Verse 22, my God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth. There was no doubt in Daniel's mind what had happened. He knew the Lord had sent somebody. We know from other scriptures that an angel basically just looks like a man. He just looked like a man that came in there and did something that made those lions shut their mouths. I wish the Lord had sent some angels to get some people to shut their mouths sometimes. <laughs> but he knew that's what was going on. We know he didn't have some big, you know, six-foot wings sticking out of his back. The Bible says some have entertained angels unawares. Well, you'd know it if they had a big old six-foot wing sticking yeah. out of their back, wouldn't you? A man just showed up and shut those lions' mouths, and Daniel knew who that man was from. It's from the Lord. Be secure in God's omnipotence. No, hey, the Lord can handle this. Psalm 57, I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. 1 Kings chapter 13, and he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass, nor torn the ass. A lion showed up and killed a guy, and there the donkey was that he was riding standing there, and the lion didn't touch either one of them. Why? Power of God. You know what's going to happen in the kingdom age? The lion and the lamb are going to lay down beside each other. You know what God can do? Stop the mouths of lions. You know what God didn't do for the Lord Jesus? He didn't stop the mouths of the beast. There were some spiritual things going on while Jesus was on that cross. And it talks about the beasts and how they were coming after Jesus. And I'm sure that was in the spiritual realm. Jesus took it so you and I won't have to. Or at least won't get the full effect of it like he did for sure. Be secure in God's omnipotence. And here's one that... God help you as you grow in your, in your Christian life. You'll be able to do this one. This is the last one. I think I'm on number nine here. Have no malice and let God clear you of the charges. You know what I don't read here? I don't read that Daniel said, All right, now God showed I was right. Now you get those presidents. And you, 
Daniel had no malice. You know what he saw? He saw this was all going on up in the spirit realm. This was all between God and Satan and those principalities and powers that are overmining your head. And he said, the Lord will take care of this. And boy, did he. You don't have to go around needing vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Amen. Amen. When the king shows up, you know what Daniel says? Oh, king, live forever. He doesn't say, now, king, you knew I was right, and you still signed that law, and you should have said, hey, you need to make an exception or something here. You tricked me into this, president. There is no malice to the king. There is no malice to the president. He's just happy and says, oh, king, live forever. You know how you know when you have moved up in spiritual realms? You can go the, through these things and realize that this is a spiritual battle and there's no reason for you to have personal animosity to anybody. Dr. Ruckman used to tell the story of a soldier in World War II that shot, an American soldier that shot one of those German soldiers and came across some of his effects there and his, uh, had found his address and everything sent a letter to his mother to let him know what had happened to her son. And that woman got that letter and wrote back a letter to the American soldier and said, you are a great young man to acknowledge the loss of my son. She said, if you ever want to come over here to Germany, I would be honored to have you in our house and eat at the table where my son ate. And you can sleep in the bed where my son slept. Let me tell you something. When you can do that, you're getting on some lofty ground. But let me tell you what you're seeing. You're seeing that there is something valuable in the eternal soul of even your enemies. You know why Jesus Christ said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because he had come down to save the eternal souls of those even that were inflicting this punishment and this persecution on him. And yes, they meant it for evil, but Jesus meant it for good. And when you get to the place where when you go through a crisis like this, you can have no malice and just leave it to God to clear you of the charges, you've reached a place that I have a whole lot less stress in your life. I appreciate you, Victor. Baptist Church, as I preach these things and I look at your faces and I remember your stories and I know some of the things you've gone through. I'm not saying you do all these things perfectly. We're all human. There's some people here that's been through some things and I, I recognize in your faces some of these steps for sure. Have no malice and let God clear you of the charges. As I've already said, Laban said to Jacob, I, or I mean God said to Jacob, I have seen all that Laban doeth. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth. Romans chapter 12, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. If somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. The Lord will take care of it. I assure you. Now, you may not do it right then like you wish. Don't get bitter and hasty like the Babylonians, but he'll take care of it. Amen.
And when he does it, he'll do a whole lot better job than you could. The mills of God's divine justice grind slow, it's true, but they grind exceeding fine. You'll grind them. Dare to be a Daniel. Daniel on crisis management. Decide beforehand to do right. Commit the problem to the Lord. Occupy yourself with Christ. Accept that God permits the problem. Thank God for the crisis and be resigned to his will. Remain calm and don't worry. I can't help but smile as I even say that one. Don't think in your mind. Be secure in God's omnipotence. Have no malice. And let God clear you of the charges. You can do it like that. You can face a crisis like Daniel did. And you'll face a crisis in a way that leans on God. Lean not to your own understanding. May the Lord bring to mind these points the next time you face a crisis. I am not trying to be a prophet of doom. You're going to have a lot of blessed times here in this free country with the blessing of God all over us. But I'd be lying if I didn't tell you you're going to have some crises too. They are coming. They will come. Let your soul be anchored by the Lord Jesus Christ in his book when they come to you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this church.